Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to ACB in Action, the heart and soul of ACB. So glad you're with us tonight. My name is Cindy Hollis, and this is when we have an opportunity to go to the front lines and behind the scenes and learn about the leadership of our organization. Tonight, I am so very proud to present four very special ladies who make up four-fifths of the 2020 class of the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, and I want to welcome Regina Brink from California, Saja Korala from Hawaii, Connie Sims from South Dakota, and Meryl Schechter from Maryland. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's get started. Um, I would like to first know, you know, we just had a convention So what was the highlight for you? What is like one major takeaway for you from that convention? And I'll just call on you one at a time, if that's okay. So we'll start with Regina. Well, I was very touched by the personal presentation of Theresia. And she's deafblind and she's a vendor. And she was so inspirational. Yes. She stood out to me and she just the way she stood up at 10 years old and told her counselor, this is real. I am not pretending and I don't want to talk to you anymore. It just, (laughs) it just touched me. So empowering, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it was empowering. Yeah. Thank you, Regina. Saja, how about you? For me, I would say I really enjoyed the auction at the convention. I'm always so (laughs) amazed by how much work is put into making that auction. And then I'm always so impressed by the professionalism that happens uh, during that auction. And in spite of it being virtual, it was organized so well and everybody worked so hard and it lasted for so many (laughs) hours. And I was really amazed at how smoothly the whole thing flowed. And I was really amazed by amazed and inspired by the work ethic of the people involved in making that auction happen. So for me, that was the highlight. I enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, thank you, Saja. How about you, Connie? It's hard just to pick oh, one. I know. It's, it really is. Um, you know, I, being part of the transportation and EAC committees and our presentations, I mean, and to hear um, how wonderful the attendance was and how passionate our members are, I, that just really touched my heart huge. Um, it just shows that, you know, we all need to work together and we all care. The other thing that really stood out and um, really impressed me was Jim from J.P. Morgan Chase when he talked about leadership and how we are all leaders, and I do believe that. And I think his message was very inspirational. All right. Thank you. And Meryl? Yes. I, the thing that really touched me was at the 
reception for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows and Derwood K. McDaniel was honored, and I had the very good fortune of actually meeting him at a national convention years ago, and he told me that I had the potential of being a leader in ACB, and when I heard that he told other people that, I said, oh, my God, he really meant it, and he inspired me to become the leader that I'm developing into, and I'm so grateful. Wonderful. So I'm curious what your eye conditions are. So, Saja, why don't you start? What is your eye condition? Obviously, we're all blind here, so. (laughs) But what's the cause? Yeah. I was actually just having a conversation with my husband today saying that I want to go to an ophthalmologist because I actually don't have a formal diagnosis. Uh, I was, you know, born and raised in a different part of the world. I was born and raised in Nepal. And I don't know if the Nepali doctors gave my mother a name for my condition. If they did, she doesn't recall. But I was born blind. But I know that I have problems with my retina. But I don't know the name of my condition or the cause of it. (laughs) Okay. How about you, Meryl? I have retinopathy of prematurity. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Common. Yeah, very common. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Regina? I was born fully sighted, but I contracted retinoblastoma somewhere along the way. And at two, they diagnosed it. It's a form of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I've been cancer-free ever since they removed the eye. So that's the good news. Yes, for sure. And Connie? I was born with aniridia. Okay. I had a student with aniridia many years ago. Yeah. And um, and when did you, Connie, when did you join ACB? I actually joined my first convention, and when I first joined was back in 1984 as a student. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I was, I was active for a while, um, and then I wasn't real active. I was always paid my membership, but I wasn't extremely active until, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and then I started getting more active again. So, so when you originally joined, were you in South Dakota then as yes. well? Yes. Yep. Okay. I've always lived in South Dakota. Um, mm-hmm. South Dakota sent me to represent South Dakota in the state, in the um, student um, association. So it was nice. And at that time, Delbert Allman, one of the charter members um, for ACB, who actually helped write the Constitution for ACB, um, was on the board. And he actually was um, a member of South Dakota, of course. And he's the one who encouraged me. So he was kind of a huge pusher um, to get me going and saw my credential. So that's how I got involved. Wonderful. Regina, when did you join ACB? 2017, I was an at-large member. 2018, I joined the chapter and... I just attended kind of intermittently, and I made a commitment that in 2019, no, wait, yeah, 17 and 18, 19, okay. I can count. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, no pressure. (laughs) 2019, I thought, well, I'll join, and I'll be just sit back and learn about the organization. Mm -hmm. And they said, 
well, run for second vice president because we need someone and it's really just advisory and you can just sit back. It's not much to do. You know, the first vice is there, not very much. And then here I am, president of the chapter and all that. So I don't know how they manage that, but somehow... Somehow they put you on that fast track, didn't they? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's great. And Saja, when did you join ACB? I joined ACB in 2011. I came to the U.S. in 2010, in August 2010, and then I explored ACB and the other organization, and I attended both of their monthly meetings, state conventions, and then I liked ACB, so I joined the organization in early 2011. Well, and we're so glad that you made that decision. That's great. (laughs) Yes, I love being a part of ACB. Well, we love having you as a part of it, too. Meryl, how about you? Well, I joined ACB in New York, where I'm originally from, in 1977. And I belong to both the Long Island chapter and the New York City chapter. And I got to meet one of the ACB angels from several years ago, and she was a great influencer in my life, Josephine Defini. Oh, she was a terrific person. And she um, just, and then in New York, I started getting involved in um, advocacy. And I went to Albany, and uh, which is the state capital, and I actually got to do advocacy for the state. And then I moved to Maryland. I was also the state treasurer of New York for a little while, too. Um, I moved to Maryland in 1985, and even though I was a member, I wasn't any you know, on any committees until maybe the last few years. And I was on the legislative committee. I was the vice chair. I am now the vice president of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland. I am also the chair of the membership committee. And Cindy spoke to our chapter and also to our membership committee a few weeks ago and was awesome. And I'm also on the nominating committee, um, the chair for our chapter. So I am just thrilled to be a member of this organization. I've gotten to know a lot of the national leaders throughout the years, and I appreciate it. So you jumped ahead a little but I want to I'm going to ask then some similar questions of the other ladies Saja Mm -hmm. what uh, leadership type activities are you involved in on you know in Hawaii um, as far as like committees or chairing anything or offices or anything like that yes so I am a chairperson of the contact committee in Hawaii Association of the Blind So I'm responsible for the dissemination of information to our members about the events happening in our organization as well as the blind community in general. And I also find myself mentoring members who are new to the organization, showing them the ropes, trying to make uh, introducing them to uh, people in our organization. So, yeah, I'm a contact uh, chairperson for the contact committee and I also do 
a lot of mentoring for younger members. And, and when we have events uh, in ATB, I find myself emceeing the events. I just do whatever needs to be done. <laughs> well, that's good. We all, whatever we, I can do. All affiliates need people like you, for sure. Connie, what about you? Um, I am currently the president of the South Dakota Association for the Blind. So I'm basically um, on all the committees by, by default, but I am actually the chair for the Resolutions Legislative Committee, and I'm also the chair for our Publication Committee. I um, am co-editor for our um, quarterly newsletter, As I See It, and then I am treasurer for our local chapter at the time. Um, in the past, I've been on the board, if I served five years on our board, the state affiliate, and then I, in their local chapter, I served two terms as president and two terms as vice president. All right. And Regina, what about you? Well, we know you're president of your <laughs> chapter, actually. We do know that. Yes. The <laughs> capital chapter of CCB. They want me to say the whole name, and I mm-hmm. told them I would say it. <laughs> you did good. You did good. Um, and I'm very proud to hold that. Um, I have a wonderful chapter. And so I... I'm able to delegate all my chairperson positions. I have great chair people, and I do though sit as a you know like an ad hoc member on each mm-hmm. committee or ex or whatever that's called. I also work at the state level. We're working on a diversity committee and or uh, inclusion kind of. It's just in the formative stage, and I'm chairing that effort. And I'm also working with our California Alliance on Aging that's forming as well. It's an affiliate that's forming in California. I'm on the National Alliance in Aging with Jeff Tom as well. And I've just been asked to join the Multicultural Affairs Committee National. So Wonderful. That's great. Cindy, Cindy this is kind. Can I add to mine? I, sure. I, I just want to say, I just should have stated too that I am on actually the ACB transportation um, committee. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm actually on our ad hoc um, pedestrian um, draft to we're doing, redoing the handbook for the pedestrian um, working on our fourth edition. So I'm on that ad hoc committee also. Wonderful. So um, Cindy, can I add one more thing else? Oh, two more things. Sure. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I'm also on the Consumer Advisory Committee for Accessible Transportation in Baltimore, and I'm on two subcommittees. I am on the Customer Service Committee and the Legislative Affairs Committee. Okay. Very good. Uh Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to go back to Regina. And Regina, this next question is, why did you apply to become a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow? Okay, so um, I also want to say that I, I'm on the Legislative Affairs Committee for the state as well. And that segues into why I be, I applied for this and became a leader. I have always been involved with legislation. I've been very, very active in our local politics with the County Board of Supervisors in the city of Sacramento 
both in the area of education and disability. So education of young children, and because I had children in the schools, and I would advocate for disabilities along the way because I had one. And so I did that for a very long time. And I have a lot of experience in that level. So when I came into the chapter, of course, Jeff Tom knew all that. And he started getting me involved at a lot of different levels. And he said, you know, there's a scholarship for J.P. Morgan Chase leadership training. And because I had become president rather quickly and I hadn't planned on that, I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to get mentorship and tools and all of the things that I would need to be an effective leader. Very good. And how about you, Connie? When I was in D.C. in February for the president legislative um, sessions, one of the past recipients um, were visiting and he recommended that I apply and then spending more time with some other leaders, they all recommended that I apply. I am on, besides the state and national local stuff, um, I'm actually on a lot of other advisory boards um, that are independent from ACB or Siouxland or, or SDAB. So um, when they heard all the advocacy work and all the work I do, I was really encouraged. So I came back and I, I visited with my husband and I visited with my board and they're like, you really need to apply. So with everyone's encouragement um, and all the advocacy work I do um, is what prompted me to apply for it. All right. What about you, Saja? I applied for this fellowship so I could learn more about leadership skills so that I could make new connections just to learn new things. And one of my hopes was to learn things and implement them into my own chapter here in Hawaii. So just to learn more about leadership and make new connections. Um, That's why I applied for this fellowship. Very good. And how about you, Meryl? I applied for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow for several reasons. Um, One reason is because I've had leadership training before I am in a network marketing company called Longevity, and we've had a lot of leadership training throughout that. And plus, when I was working, I was on the National Advisory Committee for um, Employees with Disabilities at Social Security, and I was also um, the secretary of our actual disability committee for Social Security and learned a lot about leadership in different seminars. So my purpose is to be mentored by people and also to empower others as leaders and develop as leaders and develop myself as a leader. And I also have ambitions of further going through different levels in ACB as well. So I'm going I'm to ask you this next question, Meryl. Okay. What do you think is one important quality for a leader to possess? So I'm going to ask all four of you this question. So just give me one important quality. One important quality for a leader to possess is to listen. 
I think the quality of listening to learn from other leaders is extremely important. Okay. And how about you, Saja? I was actually going to say listen. <laughs> but okay. I think the another quality, the another quality that I think a leader needs to have is uh, open-mindedness. I think that a leader should be able to look at things from different perspectives, analyze situations, and just be open-minded and flexible. And how about you, Connie? I was going to say, listen, but I am also... <laughs> I was gonna, I would say um, transparency. I mean, I think you okay. really need to be open mm. with your your other leaders and your team to um, make the team work and show that everyone has the qualities to they can do work to their potentials. All right, and how about you, Regina? Well, we'll just make it an un- unanimous. <laughs> you guys all think listening is really <laughs> listening is so important, and I just think that. It's And I don't know if there's one word to describe this, but making sure that everyone feels valued, that everyone in the organization has value. Mm. And I think that's so important as a leader. Wonderful. So many people think, oh, I'm not good enough. And that's not true. So many people have something. If you're just the person that comes and turn on the lights or organize the chairs or wipe down the tables or show everybody where the bus stop is, you're important. Wonderful. So, Regina, I'm going to ask you this next question. Who has been your greatest influencer? Who's really, you know, impacted you? My mother. And she she passed away just a little over a year ago. Um, and it seems like it's been shorter than that, actually. Uh, but she was a woman who came up in a time when women weren't allowed to even do anything without, you know, their parents or their husband or someone signing off on it. And there was a lot of traditional things that she fought against. She wanted to be a doctor and she didn't have any support for that, but she did go back to school once she had us and she became a nurse. And she believed that nobody should be defined by their disability, but by their ability at a time when that wasn't a catchphrase. That wasn't, they thought my mother was a little crazy and kind of mean to me because she didn't quote, take care of me. She encouraged my independence. I learned my skills just like all the other kids. So when I was old enough, I learned to make my bed and pick up my clothes and take out the trash and clean the kitchen. And I thought I had the most horrible life in the world because I had all these chores to do. (laughs) And so many of my friends (laughs) got to go out. I was cooking at 11 because my mother went to work and babysitting my two younger brothers and just doing everything, uh, I remember someone knocked on the door and said, your daughter's in the tree. And she said, okay, thank you for telling me. And she said, but she's blind. And she said, well, that's okay. She'll be all right. She said, but how's she going to get down? And my mother said, the same way she got up. That was, <laughs> that was her attitude. And as a private nurse, she went to work with the family, with a child that was supposedly brain damaged from falling in the pool and unable to do anything for himself. And she 
discovered that he actually had motor difficulties and couldn't speak, but he was intelligent. And she got the doctors and the parents to listen. He learned sign language, and he's in school now, and he's doing wonderful. And she, wow. everywhere she went, she empowered people in a very, uh, you know, she didn't become famous or break down a lot of barriers or anything sitting on committees, but she did that in her everyday life. Just Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Meryl? I, my greatest influencer has been my best-sighted girlfriend, uh, Beverly Thompson. She, I was at a point in my life where I had been in a previous relationship, which wasn't good, and I felt that, that at that point that I wasn't really worth anything, which, you know, was a terrible feeling. And she has just empowered me, and she's also in longevity, the business opportunity that I'm in, and she gave me the, instilled in me the confidence to know that I am worth something. And I, you know, and and then I have other role models, of course, in, in ACG sure. too, but but she's just been my greatest influencer and, and uh, cheerleader. Wonderful. Connie? Um, I would say my parents, both of them, they am. Um, it taught me when I was like, I remember in the grade school, probably sixth grade, and I remember my mom saying to me, you need to stand up for yourself. If you don't take care of yourself and stand up for yourself, no one else is going to. And this is before, you know, the ADA. Um, so they always were very supportive, always made sure that things were being done. They um, it was shortly after um, the Rehab Act went into effect. So my mom fought hard to make sure I got everything done. My, my folks did. But they didn't treat me any different. I mean, they made me feel like um, I was able to do everything. And to this day, they treat me the same. Um, so they've always been very supportive, always strong and what their beliefs are, and they never have failed. And they've always encouraged. They've always encouraged me to follow my dreams and my desires. Thank you. And Saja? For me, my greatest influencer would be my mother. Uh, My mother is truly special. Um, I know that it almost sounds like a cliche, but the reason I say this is because when my mother realized that I was blind, she took the time to learn Braille, learn mobility, learn, learn abacus, and she taught me all that school skills at home when there was a school, just there was a blind school just three hours away from our home. But she chose to learn all these things and then teach me at home. And then the even more amazing thing, and I, re- I recall her, uh, she learned Braille when she was 28 years old, master by the time she was 30. I remember her uh, just typing books in Braille all night long in those Braillers, Parkins Braillers. And then, you know, the, I cannot believe the amount of work it takes. She would, be, she would look at the print book, type it in Braille. Look at the print book, type it in Braille. Look at the print book, type it in Braille. Volumes and volumes of books she produced that way. And then the amazing thing is that when uh, it was time for me to be admitted to a school, uh, this was back in Nepal, and opportunities for 
blind people are very limited, especially when I was growing up. So uh, she tried to get me enrolled in a school, but no school in my hometown wanted to accept me because I was blind. And how many times? I mean, I just cannot believe why she wouldn't just go ahead and put me in the blind school that was just three hours away. But then, no, she wouldn't do that. She, how many times can someone handle rejection? I just don't understand. But about 30 schools denied me. And my mother went to door to door 30 times begging for the schools to uh, accept me as their student. And the 31st school finally accepted me. And just my mother is just the single most hardworking person I have ever known. And uh, it's just unbelievable. She's not even human, almost divine. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I'm just so amazed. I just think it's crazy. That's awesome. So, Saja, yeah. I'm going to start with you on this next question. Could you share with us about your immediate family? Um, so, for all of you, I'm just curious about things like, you know, if you're married, if you have children, if you're an auntie, or um, if you don't have, if you're not married, you don't have kids, you know, what what was your uh, family life like as far as, like, how many siblings, those kinds of things. So, Saja? Yeah, so I live in Hawaii, and I am married. I have been married for nine years. My husband is a proud ACB member as well. Uh, his name is Bill, but I call him Biggie. So it's me, me, my husband, and then I got my first guide dog this year in January, actually, and her name is Layla. So it's the three of us, me, my husband, oh, and Layla. Wonderful. Yeah. What, kind of, what kind of dog is Layla? She's a black lab. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank okay. you. Okay, Connie, you're up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am married to um, my wonder, wonderful husband, Seth, who is actually an ACB member also. And we've been married for 33 years. Um, and I, my parents still live in the hometown. And I do have some siblings. So I have some nieces and nephews. But just me and my husband, me and Seth. So, all right, uh, that's it. And Meryl? Yes, um, <clears throat> I am not married, but I have an awesome boyfriend, Rick Belcher, who is a member at large in St. Louis, Missouri, of ACB, and he supports everything that I do. And I also have a sister who's married who lives in Toronto, Canada. Very good. And mm-hmm. Regina. Okay, I come from a large family, so I won't say everything. <laughs> I am married. I've been married to Joe Green for five years, and he's also an ACB member, a very supportive person. He's the chairperson of our Access and Technology Committee at our chapter level, and he assists me in in moderating and chairing the the west coast coffee break ably because i probably could not do that by myself he's he does a lot of tech behind the scenes of anything i do and he's always there to rescue me when i'm like i can't figure out how to do this (laughs) and we do have children we have six children between us uh he has two girls i have a girl and three boys and uh so that's a lot of activity. We have two grandchildren so far. I have a whole bunch of nieces and nephews because I also have 
two brothers and one brother that since passed away and a huge extended family, all in California, almost except a couple that are out of uh-huh. the state, but mostly in California. So uh, when my daughter-in-law first went to the uh, family reunion, she's like, who are all these people? And I said, they're my family. <laughs> That's awesome. So Regina, what is your current employment status? I work as a facilitator and director for the theater. It's called the Short Repertory Theater. And it's not called that because I'm only 4'10". <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, wasn't even a, that wasn't even a question, but now we learned your height. <laughs> yes. But um, anyway, dynamite comes in smaller. Yes, packages. I was just thinking that. <laughs> That's great. But it is called the Short Repertory Theater because Ellen Short left an endowment. And that was to be used to support blind, I'm sorry, disabled people, then developmentally disabled people in the arts. And I joined as a blind actress in this theater. So I've done lots of acting here locally. And now I'm directing and facilitating. I facilitate with the people that have developmental disabilities. We're doing Zoom theater, which is very interesting. I'm also reviewing some grants uh, on a, a quarterly basis. I sit on some things like that. So I'm trying to put together some paid work now that we're in during the pandemic. Um I was getting a lot more theater and directing opportunities beforehand. So mm-hmm. I've just been uh, doing that. And uh, before that, I coordinated a program at the Society for the Blind for about nine years. Um, and so. All right. Thank you. How about you, Saja? Yes, I work at the University of Hawaii. Uh, I work part time and go to school full time. So I work as a research assistant on the Uni Description Project. Some of you guys may have heard about the Uni Description Project. So our goal is to audio describe the brochures of all the national parks in the United States. So I have been working on this project for the past three years. Wonderful. Meryl, how about you? I am happily retired. (laughs) And because I am retired, I have the time to devote to everything I do for ACB as well as for transportation, and I just love it. And what did you retire from? Oh, um, well, I used to work for Social Security. I was a bilingual customer uh, service representative, and before that I had worked for the IRS, and I was a customer service representative there as well on the 800 number, and I used a talking computer with a Braille display at Social Security, but I did have a double major in French and Spanish in college, and I still use my languages whenever I can. Wonderful. How about you, Connie? I have several degrees. I have, well, kind of, it's, I'm a medical massage practitioner, um, and then I'm considered a, a certified massage therapist and I'm a certified sports massage therapist and I'm a certified um lymphedema technician so I've currently have had my own business um 
and I have actually worked for doctors and I actually mm-hmm. worked for um, a huge health care system hospital and I created and developed their program. They have worldwide clinics and I worked right in their hospital with the doctors and patients. So with our nice COVID, I have <clears throat> decided I've been doing this for 24 years and um, had done some mentoring, some teaching with it. I have decided I'm going to retire from the profession. Um, so if I would continue working, I would have to do the complete PPE equipment and modify some stuff. And we were in an accident a few years ago. So it's, I've been thinking and praying about it. So I think this is the perfect time to retire from it. And it will give me some more time to do my advocacy work that I do, um, for transportation or all advocacy stuff. So we'll see what other opportunities come about. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start with you, Connie. And uh, this question is, is kind of fun for me because my answer is, is a, is a fun one when I get to answer this question. So I'm anxious to see if any of you can beat my answer. So here it is. What was your first paid job i know i can't beat it and i know what yours is so So i won't i won't spoil it (laughs) Um, what was your first paid job (laughs) (laughs) um so my first paid one was basically probably when i was a babysitter in high school but um after i was out of school i was actually um i collected for a major credit card company so um oh. I was, uh, yeah. you were one of those <laughs> I was one of those <laughs> uh, that's great <laughs> so, no I mean, it's not even close to yours yours was much better <laughs> okay Meryl how about you yes my first paid job I was so excited I earned $700 that summer which I thought was great and it was in 1977 Right after I'd gotten my master's in Spanish, which I'd forgotten to mention also, but my first job was being a peer counselor at Queensboro Community College um, in uh, Queens, New York, and I taught blind students Braille and music. And some of the students lived on campus at Hofstra University in Hempstead, Long Island, and others lived at home, and then they were transported by usually their parents to uh, a particular van that would take them them to Queensboro Community College. And I just loved it because people were at different levels in Braille and music, and I got to really work with their abilities, and I just enjoyed it. Wonderful. How about you, Regina? Well, I majored in sociology and also in ethnic studies. And so my first job was in college and I was hired as a research assistant. And it's really cool because what we were doing is individualized interviews with blind students to figure out what their difficulties were in what we call STEM now. But it it you know the the yeah it was before that yeah yeah it was before they called it STEM yeah. 
And it was a very good research. And I was there doing interviews. And then I also tabulated responses and uh, proofread the report that came out and all different levels of that research assistant position taught me about conducting actual research as a sociologist, which I later on, I became a counselor for Head Start and WIC, and I had a lot of work with early childhood education. And I think that set my my foundation for mm-hmm. it. And Saja, what about you? I started working when I was 17 years old. I was a radio talk show host. Uh, that was my first paid Woo! job. And <laughs> I was paid. It was an hour-long show once a week, so four times a month. Uh, and I got paid 100 rupees, which is 0.0.0 something dollars. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. But 100 rupees itself was not a lot of money, but as you can imagine, the job came with a lot of prestige and glamour, so sure. I liked it. <laughs> sure, that's awesome. Yeah, I did awesome. that for two and a half years. Well, you guys all did great. Uh, I I feel like just in case people are going, what was your first job, Cindy? <laughs> no. Yeah, we yeah, want to know. Wanna yeah. <laughs> My first job when I was 16 years old, I took two weeks during Easter time. So spring break, my mom let me take one extra week off school. And I worked as an Easter bunny at a mall. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh, my word. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, it was fun. Okay. Um, Saja, what is one quality about you others are likely to notice when getting to know you? I think they would notice my small stature. Because people, I'm, I'm small, I'm really petite, I'm 4'10", and I weigh 100 pounds. And people say that I look younger. And people are always astounded to find out that I'm a PhD student, that I'm married. They just go, what, what, really? And I always get this. And for some reason, people have always made a big deal out of my stature. Uh, because actually, just at the convention last year, Inside the hotel, there was a place uh, where you could eat buffet breakfast. And there they wanted to give me a discount because they thought I was a minor. And then, uh, <laughs> so it can work in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> it, did, it did. And I get it all the time. I get this all the time. All the time. And then I was on uh, television a few years ago and they started the show by saying, oh, she's small in stature but big in bravery. So it, for some reason, people have always highlighted my stature. Um, and then uh, I remember that uh, when I was in school, I used to participate in different speech competitions. And my teachers would say, oh, when people look at you, they just see this little blind girl. But when you start speaking, you erupt like a volcano. And so people <laughs> just have always noticed my stature. So I would say my small stature. Okay, thank you. And Regina, how about you? Well, I think it might come from being 410 as well. My characteristic would be, well, the positive word would be determined or tenacious. Those are positive categories. I like it. (laughs) Um, But my mother called it stubborn, so we'll see. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but I bet you you get things done, right? <laughs> yes, I don't. I don't give up. I I just don't. I stick with it. I, that's that's great. And what about you, Meryl? I think that people notice my passion. I am an advocate. I advocate for transportation. Go to the legislative seminar every year and. I just want people to have a better quality of life and the things that everybody deserves as blind people. So thank you. Okay. Connie? Um, I would say probably my caring nature. I care for people. Um, I just think it's, I I think everyone's important and I just, I really care. Wonderful. Meryl, if you were inviting someone to join ACB, Mm-hmm. What would be your one selling point? My one selling point is that I would make them feel welcome and included in the organization and that they would be able to learn from me and be able to be empowered. Okay. Connie, what would your one selling point be? I guess that ACB is very friendly and very supportive. To everyone, That's my answer. That's okay. <laughs> um, so I, I would say it's very supporting and very friendly. And there's so much to do, and so many opportunities and ways to get involved. All right, Saja. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I would say that the people are extremely friendly. The people are really friendly, and you will feel right at home. People will go out of their way to make you feel welcomed in this organization. Wonderful. And Regina? I guess it's a it's a variation on that. I would say community, that we are a community that pulls together, works together, helps each other, advocates for one another, and for the people outside of us. So we would advocate for all blind people to get mm-hmm. the right to vote in an accessible manner. That's Not right. just the ones in California, but everybody in, you know, Hawaii, Rhode Island, and beyond. We, we, even beyond the United States, we are about being a community who advocates and supports one another. Of course, you're talking my language there. Um, <laughs> I love it. Love it. You guys can be salespeople for ACB any day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take you guys back a little in time, back to your childhood, and What is one gift that you received way back then, which still has, is a special memory or has special meaning and why? And Saja, why don't you go ahead? Yes. So this gift was given to me by my mother, but it didn't come in the form of an object. It was the gift of time. So what happened was when I was in high school, I hated school. I did not like school at all. But my mother dropped me off to school, and then she had a motorcycle, so we rode, and then she dropped me off at the school. I got off the motorbike, and I told her that I did not want to go in there. I hate school. So my mom goes, okay, then let's go back home. (laughs) I was thinking, what? (laughs) But then I was thinking, if I go home, then she will never let me forget that I skipped school. All day, I would have to hear her sarcasm. That was my thought process. But at the same time, the hatred for school was so strong that I was willing to put up with her sarcastic comments all day. So I did go back home with her after after she, 
he took the time to drop me off to the school. So we went back home, and then that day we watched TV. Uh, we had we spent time together, and not once did she mention that I had skipped school. Not once did she say that oh I did wrong. Nothing. It was never. It, it was like never happened. We just had a break that day. And then I just endured that day. And then I was actually talking to my mother about this a, f- a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I think. I told her, why would you let me do that? I don't think very many parents would do that. And she goes, oh, you were in high school. I had already known the type of person you were becoming. So what? So what? I mean, take a day off. <laughs> so she just didn't make a big deal out of it, even today. So so to, at the time, I lacked the mental maturity to interpret the meaning of this gift and such but looking back the lesson i think i learned is that well chill out sometimes it's fine <laughs> you know you don't always you, you can take a break from things once in a while that's the lesson for sure uh, i took i take from it today but I, i'm just amazed i don't know how many parents would actually do that to their kids but that's a memory i hold special how about you connie um you know i have quite a few but the one that sticks out is when i was probably i think nine and my dad built a desk for me. Um, and I just remember my birthday's in the winter, and um, it was for a birthday present. And they, I was told I couldn't go downstairs. And we had a shower, and we could play downstairs, but I couldn't go downstairs. And I, so I knew that they were up to something, but I didn't know what. And it was just a small desk that I kept until I was probably way after we were even married. Um, but it was something that he made and cherished because he knew that I needed something to um, special for all my books and uh, large print stuff. So it was just a nice little desk. Wonderful. Oh, that's great. How about you, Meryl? Well, in 1962, and this this has stuck with me all my life, when I was 11, I got a gift from my parents, which was a transistor radio. Oh, my God. I was so excited because that enabled me to listen to all kinds of music. And I tell you, New York radio was fantastic then. And then at night, I used to DX, which is a technical term for getting faraway stations at night, and I just got a whole big kick out of that. So it opened a whole new world to me. All right. How about you, Regina? Well, I don't want to sell my dad short because he was just as involved with me as a child. And he used to close his eyes while my mom watched him and they figured out how to teach me things. So he was pretty amazing because he would be blind on my behalf. Actually. <laughs> and he was very proud of his kids. He um, brought us everywhere and he brought us to work. He worked at St. Mary's Hospital in Long Beach and they had a convent there. And so he would have me stay with the sisters or the nuns there. And there was a nun named Regina and she was playing the piano and I loved it. And she taught me to play. She passed away and they gave me her piano. Wow. When I was seven. And I love music to this day. I sing. I produce some albums of my own. I still write music and sing. And singing is a part of my theater presence whenever I I can get a part with singing in it or if I can compose a score or be involved in the music. So it goes right along with my performing arts. And that was just so special. Wonderful. So, Regina, I'm going to stick with you. And I... And I 
just have a feeling I know the direction this answer is going to go, but (laughs) what is your passion? You know, what is it that just really drives you? What is, what, yeah, what is your passion? My passion is advocating for anyone that I feel can't or won't be able to speak for themselves. Anyone that's marginalized, anyone that's uh, looked differently upon and in the areas of disability, but also in the areas of race and culture and income. I worked in Head Start and WIC as a counselor for about, I would say, 10 years. And I learned that there is so much talent that is not utilized in our society because we label people and we lock them out of opportunity. And when these people are empowered and given an opportunity, wonderful things happen. And so I am constantly advocating for anybody who doesn't have a voice. Wonderful. Saja, what's your passion? Reading. I love reading. (laughs) I read 100 books a year on average. And I want every single person in this world to have the ability and capacity and resources to read. Uh, I This is a hobby I discovered when I came to the U.S. because in Nepal we don't have accessible books. Now, now we have a little bit here and there, but when I was growing up, uh, we didn't have, I didn't even know that, I didn't even know a thing called pleasure reading existed. But when I came to the U.S. and just started to see books at the tip of my fingertips, I mean, at my fingertips, I just started to read. I, that, this is a hobby I discovered later in life, but just loved it. Wonderful. How about you, Connie? What's your passion? I guess I'm kind of like Regina. I, my passion is probably advocacy. I mean, all forms of advocacy. I um you know, I, I'm involved with the transportation, but I, I believe that everyone has the equal rights for everything. Um, and no matter if it's, again, like if it's race or disability or ability, um, I just believe everyone has the ability to do something. And even like as president, I, I look for other members who can do, I look for people's qualities and I believe that people, everyone has a talent and a a way that they can do stuff. And I just, I look for that in people and show that everyone can do and is capable of succeeding in their own way. Meryl, how about you? What's your passion? Mine is also advocacy. (laughs) I love to advocate for people. I've been in cross-disability organizations and also, of course, ACB, uh, as far as not just legislation or transportation, but technology. I feel that we have the right, and this is what uh, Eric Bridges so eloquently said also, that all we're asking for is the same technology that sighted people have. So we have a long way to go. Yes, we've progressed with a lot of technology, but we really need to improve. And also, as a former federal employee, I feel that Section 508 is so important also for people that government employees need accessible equipment. Because one of the reasons I retired was I saw the handwriting on the wall that things were getting less accessibility. So my passion is advocacy and accessibility. 
Okay. So in our last three minutes or so, I have two questions I want to get in. So, all right. So we're going to be kind of quick. I would like to know what, and this is not a question that was on anything I shared with you guys ahead of time. So um, where do you go to rejuvenate? What's your R&R place? And uh, Connie. Um, I have a three season room that's very rustic that looks out into our yard. That's a beautiful garden. And that's, I love to sit out there. And how about you, Regina? Mine would be the pool. I love the water, the pool, the water. I have a whirlpool bathtub, just the water. It's so therapeutic. <laughs> you sound right. so relaxed. I thing. know. <laughs> yes, the ocean, the water. <laughs> how about you, Meryl? I like the solitude of, of my bedroom, and I just think and, and meditate and think about life and what I've accomplished and what I want to accomplish. And and I feel like it's a no-brainer when I ask you, <laughs> Saja, who lives in Hawaii, but what is your R&R place? Where do you go to, to rejuvenate and get rested up? And I go inside a book. I get lost inside oh. a book. I feel alive then. Wow. That's not where I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. I need to visit Sasha. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, can go in, we down. can go outside and enjoy the sand and the beach and all That's that. Right. And the flowers yeah. And, yeah. All right. So I just feel like this is kind of a fun one to end on. And we'll start with Meryl. Uh, what candy bar would best describe you and why okay the candy bar that would actually describe me best and why would be it's not really a candy bar but it's hershey's kisses because i'm very effective (laughs) (laughs) all right i love it i love it that's a candy bar it's sold in the candy aisle you know that that works for me Um, okay all right how about you saja this is a hard one for me because I don't really care for candies or chocolate, but I'm not into sweets. But if I had to pick one, I would say Cadbury because the texture of Cadbury is really rich and creamy and smooth. And I think of myself as a smooth person in that I don't like conflicts. You know, I like collaboration and straightforward, smooth communication. So Love it. I think that, yeah, that describes How about me. you, Connie? I'm kind of like Meryl, but I would say it's Hershey hugs because I love to hug people. And my friends say, my friends say that I give the best hugs out. Awesome. And how about you, Regina? Well, I consulted my husband and we decided the fast break bar because I work and I take very quick breaks. And also my temper is a little quick. I'll blow up at you, but I forgive you very quickly. So the fast break bar. All right. Thank you, ladies, so much for being with me tonight and for taking part in showing the true heart and soul of ACB. And we got together today for ACB in action. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great, Cindy. Bye. 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 Bye.